We're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read a, I'm going to read a sentence out of Ephesians chapter 4, a, one sentence. Now, this one sentence covers from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, all the way to verse number 16. Don't forget your number, the verses in your Bible were placed there by man to help you reference. Those are not inspired. But it's a lot easier for me to say, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, than go to the letter of Ephesians to the 15th paragraph on the second sentence on the third word. Isn't it a lot easier to say Ephesians 4, 11? <laughs> it's a lot easier to do that. And so, a lot of times, though, we'll take a verse and we'll look at one verse and there's still a thought that continues. So I want to look at a sentence here. I want to read this sentence. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to, I'm going to explain this sentence here and then go and start our series. I don't even know how far we're going to get tonight, uh, but I want to at least, at least introduce the series tonight. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to the a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Would you help us pray, and then we'll look into these verses. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be here tonight on a Wednesday night. Thank you for this first church service of the year. Thank you for those that have been a, are able to be here, and we do thank you for those that were not able to be here. We pray for them. Thank you for the time of prayer we just came out of, of praying for those that are sick or those that have uh, spiritual things going on in their life, those that have surgeries and other uh, procedures coming up. Father, uh, we pray for the ministries that uh, we're remind, we were reminded to pray for uh, just a moment ago. But right now, we pray that you'd help us as we have read your word. I pray, God, you'd help me as I try to preach your word. And I pray, God, you let us hear the word of God, heed to the word of God, and God, do something about it. I pray uh, this uh, evening, God, what we hear from the word of God, the spirit of God will take and move in our hearts that we might put it in shoe leather and walk out our Christian life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And a man. Verse number 11, the first part of this sentence, he tells us there are some things or some people that God gives to the church. He says he gives some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so he gives some gifts to the church, some people as gifts to the church. The apostles, that's the foundation of the church. There are no 
apostles now. Uh, and somebody, I, I read a little uh, cartoon on the internet the other day, and it says, which one of the modern apostles uh, do you like the most? And the guy says, Bugs Bunny. And the woman says, well, he's not real. And the guy responds, none of them are. And meaning modern day apostles. There's no modern day apostles. The apostles were uh, in the first century church, those that God gave the foundation of the church to. Those that God had pinned down the word of God and the, to start those churches and to begin the movement of Christianity throughout the first century and throughout Asia Minor and there in uh, northern Africa and things like that. And that's the apostles laid the foundation. But then we have the prophets and some would say uh, that we have no prophets today but I would say uh, that we do have prophets today because we're going to get there later of the gift of prophecy is not just foretelling the future but is foretelling what has already been given. The gift of prophecy we're going to get there later on not tonight uh, but is the gift of telling what has already been told to you. It is preaching the word of God. And you know what? When I tell you that Jesus is coming soon I am prophesying. Now I'm not prophesying from some vision I had last night because of the pizza I had for supper but I am prophesying of what the word of God has already told me that Jesus is coming soon. When I taught just the other day in our Bible class about the judgment seat of Christ that is coming in the future. I am prophesying about something coming in the future. But it is from what, his, what the Lord has already said in his word. And so that gift of the prophets, I believe that is the preachers. And that is, the, that is a big realm of, that's a big uh, circle, of, I guess you'd say a broad circle of men uh, that are proclaiming the word of God. They're in different fields, they're different services, but they're preachers of the gospel. Then we have the evangelist. This is the word in the Bible. We would call that a missionary. Now many days, uh, the, the many, uh, many times we hear that word evangelist in our, uh, in our day and we think about an itinerant preacher. One who just goes from church to church to church to church preaching and they may preach a gospel message. They may preach a revival message. and They may preach an encouraging message or they may preach a message that tears the whole church up. But they preach and they just go to church and church and church. But in reality, an evangelist is the bearer of the good news. And it would be a missionary that is going and preaching the gospel and going and doing the work of the gospel's sake and, and seeing people saved, seeing people discipled, and planting churches and things like that. So we have the evangelist. And then we have the pastors and teachers. And that is the one, the pastor again, the one who oversees the ministry of the local church, the one who oversees uh, the, the whole work of the local body, and the teachers, those that teach the word of God in that local body. So we have the gift of some people that are important to the church, that are important to the work of the church. Now, why did God give those gifts? Verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints. God gave the apostles to give the foundation, the prophets to proclaim the word of God, the evangelists to preach the gospel, the pastors and teachers to dig deep and to teach why we believe what we believe and what do we believe and how are we going to flesh that out in our life. God gave those things for the perfecting of the saints. What does that word perfecting mean? It means the maturing of the saint, the development of the saint, the growth of the saint. God gave you teachers and pastors and evangelists and preachers to perfect you, to mature you. Listen, you cannot make it without somebody preaching the word to you, somebody teaching the word to you. We've got to have 
it's important. That's why Sunday morning Sunday school is important. And that's why preaching is important. We've got to have that for our maturity, for our growth and our development in our Christian life. But it doesn't end there. For the perfecting of saints, then it goes on to say, for the work of the ministry. Why should saints mature? Why should saints be developed to be involved in the work of the ministry? We need people to be saved and to be discipled, not just to sit on the stool and do nothing for 50 years, die and bury them in the church cemetery, but to get involved in the work of the ministry. I believe a lot of times we cry the people of God by seeing them saved and then even seeing them disciple, but then not letting them serve anywhere, not giving them a place to work in the ministry. But my friend, the church cannot be run by the pastors or the preachers alone. It must be operated and run uh, to in, the, for the, in the full capacity by Christians just laboring in the ministry together. And so we got to, so for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, but it goes on. For the edifying of the body of Christ. What are, we, sir, what are we maturing for? So we can go to work. What are we working for? So we can build up the body of Christ. The edification, the building up of the church. That does not just mean numerically, but it does mean numerically. I mean, sometimes we get in this little state of saying, well, I don't care about numerical growth. And, and you, you know what? That ought not be priority number one, but it ought to be a priority, amen, of building up the body of Christ. Somebody said, I don't know about numbers. Well, Acts chapter 2 said 3,000 got saved. Somebody was on the counting committee, I guess. And listen, what I'm saying is building up not only just numerically, but also building up spiritually that we have more workers, that we have more people involved in the ministry. Hey, and listen, and listen, we just keep rotating, keep rotating, keep rotating. That's why God gave pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. All right? So why did he do it? Four. But then, how long are we supposed to do all this? Verse 13. Till we, y'all see that word? All come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's some things here. How long are we to do this? Well, first, till we all come in the unity of faith. Now tonight, you may say all of us in this room are in the unity of the faith. We all believe the right doctrine. We believe the same thing. But watch this. Does all the crowd on Sunday morning believe it? I'm not picking on them. If they're listening tonight, that's fine. I'm not picking on nobody that just comes here on Sunday morning. But are they all in the unity of faith? We've got some that come on Sunday morning regular that are still lost. We ask prayer for them tonight. That they're lost without God. They're not in the unity of faith. But then we've got some that are saved and they've still not come along with what they believe about the faith. So we're not even got there yet. But if we were there, we've got to go further. Then it says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That would be that salvation. That would be that relationship, that intimate relationship. But then it says, unto a perfect man. We're not there yet. Where we are all a perfect. Now let's say what that, what does that mean? Perfect. Well, if we go back to what we said earlier, that mature, we all are not as spiritually mature as we ought to be. Every one of us can improve somewhere. And we all definitely are not sinlessly perfect. <laughs> okay? So we're not there yet. We're, 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 we're crossing out. We're, we're, we're failing the test right here. 
And we're not really failing. We're just seeing, hey, there's still more work to do. I'm talking about how long. I'm not talking about, the Bible's talking about how long are we supposed to, till, then it says unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How do I know if I have risen to perfection? How do I know if I've risen to total Christian maturity? I'm in the fullness of Christ. We're not there yet. And notice it says all, not just the most spiritual people in the church. All. See, see God's concerned about the whole church. God's not just concerned. He is concerned about the pulpit, the leader of the pulpit, the the pastor and the preachers in the church. But but that's not all he's worried about. There are a lot of places with steeples on them tonight that they got the platform looks good. The platforms, I mean, it's tight. I mean, the Sunday school teachers, it's right, buddy. They've got that doctrine. They're sound. But everybody else in there, they're not. And here's the problem with that is they think they've arrived. See, it ain't a problem with the church, the folks in the pews not being there yet. The problem lies if we think we've made it, if we think we've arrived. And so he says, how long are we supposed to do this? You're supposed to do it till everybody, all. I didn't put it in there. The Bible's right. The, the Holy Ghost put the word all in there. And he don't just use words. He's not like some of y'all exaggerating stuff. Huh? I mean, y'all ever heard somebody exaggerate? Everybody saying this, and you find out on like two or three people really said it. Whether good or bad. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Efficient stories. You know. <laughs> you deer hunting starting on his skin. God's not just using this word all to kind of impress us. He is using this word all purposefully. That he's, worried, he's concerned about the entirety of the body of Christ. And so how long are we supposed to do it? Till we all come. And there it goes. And then, then Why? Why? For what purpose does it serve? Now, we didn't talk about the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, but then it goes, oh, why are we supposed to do it this long? Verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Aren't children carried about with every wind of doctrine? The season we just come out of, came out of, Proves children believe anything. I ain't trying to hurt nobody's family around here. But to believe Tinkerbell flies through the window, sneaks under your pillow, steals your nasty tooth, and puts you, I don't even know how much they cost nowadays, puts you 50 cents under the old pillow and leaves without you ever feeling it or knowing nothing about it. They believe anything. To believe that a furry rabbit hopping around is laying chicken eggs dyed a bunch of different colors that doesn't have a yolk and white in it but has money in it if you get the prize one or it's got good chocolate in it or caramel in it and leaves you a basket on your living room. Kids will believe anything. To believe some fat dude in a red suit that'll come through a chimney that you don't even have and leave you gifts and eat your cookies and milk. And leave, listen, kids will believe anything. Watch this, watch this. Here's what, here's, compared, here's what it's compared to. When you don't have the right preaching and the right Bible teaching and the right foundation and you're not being built up and you're not being involved in the work of the ministry, you are just like a child believing anything. 
And all of a sudden, the new fad on TikTok comes up and it sounds spiritual and you believe in that. And the new YouTube influencer pops up and you believe in that. And the new uh, devotional teacher and the new uh, lady who wrote the ladies devotional or the man who wrote the men's devotional because it sounded really cool and macho or it sounded really feminine and spiritual. And all of a sudden you just believe in any old thing because you're tossed to and fro. And here's what he says. You've got to have preaching. You've got to have a Bible teaching. You've got to have the right foundation. You've got to have this thing right so you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And this is what he says to those that are preaching and teaching in verse number 15, but speaking the truth in love. Oh, it's hard sometimes to speak truth, isn't it? Truth hurts sometimes. Truth does not always feel good, but he says this, we're to speak that truth in love. We speak the truth not because we want to prove that we're right and they're wrong. We speak the truth because we want to see them get right. And we want to see them not be tossed to and fro. We don't want to see them lying in, sli- lying, uh, uh, in wait. We don't want to see those that are lying in wait to deceive our brothers and sisters that they jump on them and pounce and, and they, they slight them and they cunning craftiness. They get them and they toss them around. We don't want to see that. So what do we do? We speak the truth in love. Why? Well, that they may grow up into him in all things. Again, there is the focus again, is that you may grow up, that you may mature, that you may be perfected as a saint for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then verse 16, this is the intro to the series. From, or, the, or verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from, so Christ is from, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Stop right there. Here's what he's saying. The body is fitly formed together. Meaning this, God put it together right. God ain't making no mistakes. God didn't mess up the way he formed the body of Christ. And it's fitly formed together. I think about this. I was mentioning my sister and her surgery coming up. That that shoulder. The shoulder is a ball and joint. A ball and socket joint. Means you got this ball of your shoulder. It fits in a socket. But it fits just right. And if it's fitting just right, that shoulder has a lot of mobility. But you mess up something in either the ball or the joint and there'll be grinding, there'll be friction and it's not right. But but God makes it right. Watch this. Fitly formed together. Watch this. It's compacted 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 by that which every joint supplies. Watch this. Every joint supplies to the body. Everybody, every member of the body is given to the body. It is supplying something to the body. Watch this. It's not supplying equally though. My hand is supplying to my body light. My foot is supplying to my body, but they ain't supplying the same thing. My eye is supplying to my body like my nose is supplying to my body, but they're not supplying equally. We've got this 
crazy idea of equality in this day. And, and forget the outside the church for a moment, but inside the church, everybody is supplying to the body in some form or fashion, but everybody's not supplying equally, and it ain't supposed to be like that. You can't give equally. We can't have a bunch of quarterbacks on the team. You can't build a football team with a bunch of linemen. You got to have the other positions. And you ain't building a body with a bunch of hands. That'd be funny looking, wouldn't it? Bunch of eyeballs. Just a bunch of, that's like one of them, kind of description of angels sometimes in the Old Testament. There's a bunch of eyeballs everywhere. They don't, they don't, that's not how it works. So, but everybody's supplying to the body. Watch this now. Look now, verse 16. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So I'm talking about. You're not giving equally. Your hands and feet don't do the same thing. Your eyes and nose don't do the same thing. Your eyes and hands don't do the same thing. You can breathe out of your mouth and you can breathe out of your nose, but it's not equal for most people, right? I did the test this afternoon. I just sat around and I was just trying to breathe out of my nose. Then I tried to just do it for a while. Just, I just try to just, I even try to just kind of subconsciously don't open my mouth. Just breathe out of my nose. And I couldn't do it. I felt like I wasn't getting enough air in my body just using my nose. But as soon as I opened my big mouth, and took one, I thought, feel better now. Now both are supplying air to my body, but not equally. They are supplying air to my body. Watch this if I can use the Bible. It's effectual working in the measure of every part. My mouth is a whole lot bigger than my nostrils. And so there's an effectual working that my mouth can put a whole lot more oxygen in than my nostrils can. I don't know, but somebody said you can breathe out of your eyes. I don't know about that. But I ain't trying it. I like myself too much <laughs> to not kill myself by suffocating trying to breathe out of my eyes. I don't know. I, I'm sure the pores in our body, I probably, if you use a biology person, they probably say that releases some kind of oxygen and stuff like that. But I ain't trying that either. Why? Because God made my, my mouth my nose, the main functions of getting that oxygen to my lungs and getting that whatever stuff comes out, carbon something. I don't know what they say. I don't know. The hot breath that comes out. <laughs> Here, here's what it says. Every joint is, is fitly. God, God did it right. And every joint is supplying something to the body. And they are supplying, they're supplying that which every joint supplies according to to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Here, here it is again. Why? What's happening when, that, when, when the joints are fitly together and they're all supplying and they're all supplying what they're supposed to be supplying? What happens then? Here it is. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Hey, when everybody's doing their part, when everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, then the body's going to grow. The body's going to mature. That's what it says. So here's the thing. God has entrusted the church with the gospel. 
He has given us the responsibility to take it across the street, across the states, across the seas. He's told, he's told us, get the gospel to all the world. But he's also said, he's also given the responsibility to the church to encourage and serve one another. We are to be bringing one another along in spiritual growth and maturity. And these responsibilities are not just for the pastor or the spiritual leaders, but these are for every single one of us. As the pastor, we have a responsibility. As the spiritual leaders in our church, the Sunday school teachers, the leadership, we, are, we have a responsibility in Ephesians 4 to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. What does all that mean? Here's what that means. Verse 16, here's what it means. You are personally responsible to take part in the work of the ministry. You are individually responsible to take part in the edifying of the body of Christ by reproducing new Christians that mature into mature disciples. Now, if you don't agree with that, then, then you don't believe your Bible. If you do agree with it, you probably have a, you may have a question tonight then. But how? How? Believe it. Amen, preacher. If you didn't believe it before tonight, you see it in the Bible, it's right. But how? How do I personally get involved in the ministry? How do I as an individual get plugged in to the work of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit provides every child of God with one or more spiritual gifts. In verse 16, he calls it effectual working in the measure of every part. The spiritual gifts. These spiritual gifts are divine enablements to, to, that God gives us at salvation and they are for the express purpose of serving God through the local body. That's what they're for. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to Christians to equip us for ministry. Now, you might can work to improve in your gift, but you can't work to receive the gift, okay? Listen, there are just some things you're not cut out to do. And there are some things that I'm not cut out to do. But in, when, I, when I find out that gift, when I find out are those gifts even that God has given me, I can improve in those gifts. But you're not going to work and, and, and all of a sudden work into a gift. You're not going to work into a gift. God, this is a supernatural thing. Here, here's what I'm getting ahead of myself. Here, here's what I'm saying. God is sovereign in how he gives these gifts out and who he gives these gifts to. But watch this. Everyone that's a child of God has at least one gift. I believe most people have more than one. But everybody has at least one. Will you take your Bibles real quickly? I'm, I'm just going to get the introduction in, but 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time between 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, but tonight we're going to finish here in the introduction. In 1 Corinthians 12, we'll pick back up here next time. 
It says this, verse number 1. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1. So you're in Ephesians. Just keep on going just a little bit. Philippians, Colossians. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, go back. Go back. Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Go backwards. 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Concerning spiritual gifts. Here it is. Just as Paul does not want the church at Corinth to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, I desire that each person in our church know what your spiritual gift is and how you can use it for the glory of God. Here's this. Paul wants to make sure that these uh, Christians in Corinth have a clear and complete understanding of their spiritual gift and that, that, they, that they understand what equipment God has given them for the ministry that, that, God, that God gives some measure to every person. He wants them to understand what it is. Because here's why. Here's why. The church cannot function and it certainly cannot mature without properly and faithfully using the spiritual gifts that God gives for ministry. There's no way. There's no way for us to function like we're supposed to. No way for us to mature like we're supposed to without using. But before we can use it, we got to know what they are. We got to know what they are. So that's what we're going to do in the next several weeks is we're going to look. We're not going to start off by knowing. Uh, we're not going to go through the list first. We've got to look at some other things first. But just real quickly, real quickly, real quickly, I want you to look at this, and then we are done. Verse 2 says, and we're in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2 says this, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts. And so he says this, you've seen a lot of crazy stuff go on around your church. You've seen out even in the community a bunch of crazy stuff that has been a, a sign or been at least labeled as gifts of the Spirit. Now, for our church here, we've not seen much of that going in here. But you don't have to go far. You don't have to go far outside the walls of this place to find a bunch of crazy stuff that, are, that is ascribed to the working of the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the more and more I look at this thing, the more and more I realize, I mean, even in Baptist churches, a lot of crazy stuff goes on in the name of God that God ain't nowhere near. And I don't want to get into all that, but I want to say this. Paul says this, and of course this is the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is saying, Paul, Paul under inspiration of the Holy Ghost said it to Corinth, and the Holy Spirit saying it to us, is you, you need to understand who the Spirit is, and you need to understand the gifts that he gives. You need to have a discernment about things of God. You need to have a discernment about how to live your life for God and not be caught up in all this crazy stuff that people say. Heard a man on Sunday. I listened in to a little bit of his broadcast and I heard him say, I know God's real today. 
I know God's real today. And he started talking in this, this weird way of God just kind of manifested himself in his prayer. And, and, and I, I understood the principle of what the man was saying, but I put on my ears and I said, let me listen to this as somebody has no idea what he's talking about. This is mysticism. This is crazy. This is weird. This, is, this, doesn't, this doesn't line up with the Bible. But the man has all of these check marks that someone would say, this guy's got a spiritual gift. And here's what, here's what he's saying to the church at Corinth. You've got to discern the spirit of God versus the spirit of this world. He said, y'all been out there in the world? You know what it's like. You know what it's like out there. And what, what, what's going on out there is not what should be going on in here. It's supposed to be different in here. It's supposed to look different. It's supposed to sound different. It's supposed to feel different in the church house. And so that's where we're at. And so what we're going to look at, and, and here's, here's the reason why this is so important to our church. And, and you can study this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. But God gives the illustration for this whole thing in chapter 12. And he begins in verse number 12, or verse number, really, verse number 14, when he says, for the body is not one member, but many. I done said it. It's not a bunch of hands. It's not a bunch of eyes. It's, it, it's, it's not one member. It's many members. And he says this, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Just because the foot wakes up one day and says, hey, I don't want to be a foot. I'm tired of people walking on me. Does that mean it's not part of the body anymore? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not the body, it is therefore not the body. The ear wakes up one day and says, you know, nobody says how pretty their ear, ears are. I mean, people will say, you got pretty eyes. Look at their pretty eyes. Somebody's saying something about Oliver. Look at his pretty blue eyes. But, nobody, but, but the boy's got big ears. And nobody says, look at them beautiful ears. Everybody says, look at them big old ears. I was at my mama's and they said, well, you can tell he's a Johnson or my granddad, my great grandmother's family was Johnsons. In every picture we see them old timers, if they got big ears, we say, that must be a Johnson. That's, that's somebody related to it. And my mama goes, that's, he got Johnson ears. And so the ear wakes up and says, I'm tired of being called Dumbo. I mean, I wish somebody would say how pretty my ears are. I'm, a, I'm not the body no more. In verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? How are you going to hear stuff? If the whole body were hearing, how were you, how are you going to smell? If the whole body was an ear. But here's what it says. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. You know why your ears are ear? Because God said it be an ear. And here's what it says. You know why God gave you the spiritual gifts he gave you? Because it pleased him. Spiritual gifts are not for self-edification. They're not self for self-glorification. They're not self for self-satisfaction. I don't know if that's a word. Satisfying. I don't know if that's a word. They're not for self. The spiritual gifts are for serving. For serving God. And he gives them to you as he sees fit to please himself, not to please you. And all, this is why, why this whole study is important. Is because if we're gonna, if we're gonna function right. We gotta have some ears. We gotta have some eyes. And man, as much as it stinks, we gotta have a nose. 
You've got to have feet. You've got, to have, you've got to have every part. And so we're going to look, going further into this next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at the differences. The differences. Everybody doesn't have the same gift. And in that gift, there's differences in gifts. There's differences in, in administration. There's a, gift, there's a difference in the operation of the gift. And we're going to look at that and go further with it.